Hello, this is Opera Unbound, a podcast that breaks the barriers between opera singers and the audience. We will cover the process, challenges, stereotypes, and inspirations associated with opera. If you like the content that we're putting out and you'd love to see more, make sure you subscribe to our channel as well as share it with all your friends. In today's episode, we wrap up the series on adapting operas for modern audiences, and I give you some tips on how to get over writer's block. Hope you're doing well. Today we're going to do the final installment on the Adapting Operas series of mine. And uh, I wanted to talk today about what do you do when things don't go to plan? What do you do when you have writer's block? When the inspiration just isn't coming? When your usual method of going about however you create your shows just uh, just stops being effective. And so we're going to talk about a couple things um, that I, I think you need to consider and uh, potentially do uh, in these cases, because this literally has happened to me recently. Now, granted, I think what's come out of it is something that's going to be better in the short term, um, but... Uh, I think all writers go through this. And so if you've done any writing, I think a lot of this will relate to you. Um, and if not, you can get a little insight into what it's like to put these things together. So just as a backstory, as you may recall from earlier parts of this series, I was working on the Epstein Rigoletto. I did the first big scene with everybody, and I just... I couldn't find any motivation. Like, I know it's a great concept. I know it's something that would draw people in. Like, wait, Jeffrey Epstein in an opera? What the? You know? Human trafficking, while terrible, uh, let's see what what this guy can do with it. Okay? It, It was all there. All the things were there. And yet... I just, I I lacked motivation. I lacked inspiration. I mean, I wrote down all my different ideas. I know what I want, generally speaking, the characters to do. I just, you know, I couldn't. I I was basically forcing myself to write this thing. So I, I tabled it, which is one of the things that you sometimes just need to do. Sometimes letting, I mean, I let things marinate when I edit anyway. Like, I don't sit there and do, uh, which I will talk about, the thing that came out of it. Like, recently I've been editing that, and it's not like I go act one, act two, and then um, once I get done with that, take a little break, and then go back through it again and again. That that doesn't really work for me. It may work for others. Uh, but usually I'll do, like, act one, one day, just go through the entire thing, comb through, fix, whatever, And that's just one day. That's all I do. 
It's not that I spend all day, but it's just however long it takes to make that happen. I do that. And then the next day I'll do act two. And then usually I'll take a day off and let it quote unquote marinate so that I'm far enough away from whatever was there that I can look at it with fresh new eyes. Okay. So sometimes when it comes to severe writer's block, you just got to table it. You got to say, look, this, this isn't working for me. Another thing that sometimes helps also in the writing process, if you do happen to uh, indulge in certain substances, you know, whether that's alcohol or uh, marijuana, I'm not obviously advocating for anything illegal. um, But if those things help you write, we do know that they have helped uh, writers throughout history. Um, then you can do that. And sometimes that will pop ideas into your head that help break the, the writer's block problem. In conjunction with the all of those things, I just think going out and experiencing life is a great way to unblock things. You know, do things that are not music related. Just go out and hang out with people. I mean, even something as simple as not being creepy about it, but going to the mall and people watching. I think great directors and great writers are very astute in the ways in which people act. Okay, they they have a <clears throat> excuse me a, a different mindset on the human condition. <clears throat> There's so much uh, gray area. You know, a lot of people think that you know, life is very black and white. Uh, And in our society today, it's more polarized than ever when you look at political and social issues, which is a problem. Um, Or at least if you believe all the stuff that's, um, we'll say promoted on social media, there really isn't, uh, you know, the sane middle, which is probably where most people are. Um. But as a writer and a director, you have to get your mind into the heads of people who are not you if you want to be effective at your job. And so going out and experiencing life just in normal, not looking for any particular thing like, oh, well, if I if I go to the park and I watch people, bingo, I'll get some earth shattering idea that apparently I can't get otherwise. Like, I'm not saying that's going to necessarily happen, but. You start to have those synapses in your brain fire a lot more when you start putting things together. And uh, I think this also is true for being um, just a singer in general. I'm not saying that as a young artist, you have very little to give in your performances. But there's a reason why people who have a little bit more life experience, and I'm not saying you got to be 50 or 60, but like... If you've gone through some things, it's a lot easier for you as a singer to get into whatever this character is. I remember just as a side story uh, about this whole experiencing life thing, you know, one of my first shows that I really, really got into was The Marriage of Figaro. You probably know that because I mention it a lot on the podcast. It's also a show that I've performed a lot. Uh, I've done pretty much every role except for Figaro in that show. That's my voice type or that my voice type can do. But when I first started looking at it, um, I was looking at the count. 
basic gist of the count is he's a powerful person who lets his lust for Susanna and it combining with however he feels about the Countess, because apparently he doesn't have enough self-control and or love for the Countess to keep his uh, temptations at bay. He's act- he's actively bringing the temptation to his doorstep, really, by having them move in to the room that's really close to them. And at first, you can just look at him. It's like, oh, yep, Hall of Fame D-bag right there. All, like you're checking off the list. And you can take that simplistic view or, and I didn't realize this until much later, for those of you who don't know, I'm divorced. And so it was only through my experience of going through the divorce and seeing how that pain that can happen in those kinds of relationships can motivate people to do things that they wouldn't necessarily do otherwise. Um, it was through that, that I was much more capable of relating to him. And I think my performances after that were much more convincing than they would have been otherwise. The last thing I want to say though, in all of this, and it's something that I found to be more true, um, as I go through life and it's not just in, in opera, but it it does help. It's that you got to follow your gut. You know, when Rachel and I started thinking about doing this podcast, which is, isn't the first podcast, I had a podcast called Not Your Granny's Opera Podcast a few years ago. It was just me, first of all, and it was video of me, you know, talking about different things. And it was meant to be educational, but also to push the envelope. But it wasn't, it wasn't as good as what I think Rachel and I have now. But as we have talked about these various topics and, you know, prepping for things. I am the type of person, the person who bucks against the narrative, right? Status quo does not work for me. Now, of course, my reasons why the status quo is not working is different slightly than Rachel's, and that's fine, uh, and other people's, and that's fine. But I am the type of person who, the more I have trusted my gut, the more I have been proven right than wrong. And that's why following my gut and doing this podcast with Rachel, which has been a lot more successful than I think we honestly imagined it would be. So thank you for listening and share it with all of your friends, of course. You know, we're following what we think is good and people like it. It's really important when you're writing to follow your gut. I mean, (laughs) if only people knew. Like, uh, so to kind of bring it full circle here. Okay, so I talked about how Epstein is tabled, essentially. Well, now Rachel and I are working on a, uh, we want to produce uh, The Elixir of Love, which is my only show that I've, I had a complete draft of that hasn't been performed. Uh, But, you know, and going back to what we were just talking about, if only, because I'm sending Rachel these drafts. You know, and I I love when Rachel looks at my stuff because she's not telling me what I should write necessarily because I've worked with people who tell me what I should and shouldn't talk about, which in case you might have guessed, doesn't work well for me. Um, she's just like, well, I think you could say the same thing, but in a slightly different way or you use certain uh, things too often. So you can make it more concise or you can put in different things. You're creative enough. You don't just need like a set 
thing that you say in certain situations all the time. So it's really great working with her. Um, but if she only knew some of the stuff that was not sent to her, um, the crazy ideas, or even the stuff that I'm just thinking out loud, like, well, what if I say this and this and oh, that doesn't work, or rhythm's not quite there, or blah, blah, blah. What we're going to do is really exciting. I don't want to give too much right now because that's not the purpose of this episode. But um, this all goes into the whole idea of you got to let things marinate. So that thing had been marinating, if you want to think about it, for three years. Okay? I went out and I experienced life. Right? I then followed my gut with certain things in it. Like one of the things that we're doing is dual Kamada is not a guy in the show. It's, it's a mezzo or a contralto. I mean, technically it, if you want it to be a guy, it's fine, but that's not what I envisioned. Right. And, uh, it takes place at a bar the entire time. Uh, dual Kamara is a online potion dealer, um, and all this stuff. And it has, of course, Adina and Nemorino and Belcore. And so to sum it all up, If you want to get rid of writer's block, you have to first know when to table things slash step away slash marinade things, okay? Because sometimes you're just working too much or the inspiration is just not coming and you got to be okay with that because in the end you're going to get a better result, okay? Uh, If you want, you can use some, some enhancers, we'll call them, only the legal stuff. Not condoning illegal activities, of course. Um, You need to also go out and experience life uh, because it will just give you a broader base of things to think about and to look at uh, when you're trying to create your characters. And lastly, you got to follow your gut uh, because ultimately you're probably going to be proven right more often than you're not. Uh, and if you're not proven right, then you'll probably have pretty good reasons why shown to you. So there it is. The last step in this adapting opera series, how to get over writer's block. Hope you enjoyed it. Let, let me know if you have any questions about that. You can reach out to us on Instagram and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. For more information about the podcast or for extras, check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash opera unbound. Ciao.